I want to tell you about the new community that we have over on Facebook for the Busy Years podcast called Hey Mama, Let's Connect. This is a place where you can come and connect with other like-minded women just like you who are in the busy years of motherhood that are chasing their dreams and looking for more. This is a place where you can come and share the amazing things that you're currently doing, get advice, ask questions, and get more information on the Busy Years podcast episodes. I'm going to be in there every now and again, teaching live, answering your questions. And I hope that this is a place where you can come and feel community in these busy years of motherhood. Come tired, leave inspired, my friends. Check out this episode's show notes for a link to the group or head to michellehagan.com slash podcast to get connected. Hi there, I'm Jenna Kutcher. I'm the host of the Gold Digger Podcast, and I'm so excited that you're hearing me right now because that means that I get to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Hagan and her podcast, The Busy Years. Michelle is a mama on a mission dedicated to inspire other women to chase their dreams and their passions no matter what season of life they're in. And I've gotten the privilege to mentor and coach Michelle. She was one of my top 10 students in my community of over a thousand women, and she helped lead and inspire other mamas just like you. And now you, my friend, you get a front row seat. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Hi, I'm Michelle, a sales and profitability strategist, mentor, and captain of your cheering squad. But most importantly, I'm a Midwest wife and mama to two spirited boys, and I'm a lover of learning, family vacations, and nap time. I built my business between the moments of motherhood, and I know that you can do it too. Being a mama is hard, and no one should have to do it alone. That's why I'm bringing women together to share their stories of motherhood, business, and blessings. So grab your coffee, wash your dishes, hey, even take a shower, because we can do this, friend, in the middle of motherhood. You're listening to the Busy Years Podcast, where motherhood and business meet. Come tired, leave inspired. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. I am so excited to dive into the topic of copywriting because this is my pain point in business. And if anyone knows me, I'm dyslexic. So I already am not that great with words. Um, And I always tell people like, if you see something misspelled on my website or somewhere, just phonetically read it. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) Or like, uh, what word is around it? Because Siri probably changed it to the word that she assumed that I was saying. And then I didn't realize that it Mm -hmm. is a wrong word. Mm -hmm. But um, email sequences and emails are something that we all know is super important. And the copy in our email is so important. So I'm so excited to dive into this today. But why don't you first tell the listeners a little bit about you um, and how you became an entrepreneur in motherhood? Yeah. Okay. So before we do all the fun email stuff, um, my name is Emily. I run a copywriting business called Emily Writes Well. Um, I currently live in Nashville, Tennessee with my husband and my super wild and crazy uh, toddler, Charlotte. She's two. 
Um, and yeah, I started my business officially, um, in August 19. Before that I was writing in the online space for about a year and a half, um, before going out on my own. So I had my daughter actually while I was living in Australia. So my husband and I were living in Sydney and had been for a few years. Um, and she was born there. And then we decided, you know, 9,000 miles is too many miles between yeah. us and all of our family and grandparents and all of that. So we moved back. So I really just found myself like without a job back in the U.S., quite honestly, living with my parents, with a brand new baby of my husband when we hadn't been near family in several years. It was Not just like, stressful at all, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, totally chill. Um, and she was about three months old when we moved back. And so my plan had been to go back to work. Um, I really wasn't planning on being a stay-at-home mom. I was like, that's not really what I thought I was interested in. And when I started looking at jobs, I just found myself getting like very anxious about the thought of leaving her. And I was like, nope, I really want to be able to be with her. But I knew it was also really important that I have like some kind of creative outlet and have some kind of, um, like paid work. I just have always found a lot of, um, of my, I don't know, for better or worse, I found a lot of like my self-worth in what I create. And so for me, like that just felt like something that I wanted and I wanted to kind of have it all. And my mom told me that that wasn't possible. <laughs> she was like, you can't have it all at the same time. Um, but then I kind of stumbled into freelance writing. So I started writing for a bridal magazine in Chicago. And it was really funny because I was in this place. I had like a five month old, um, I was living with my parents. I had just made this big transcontinental move and I was at Starbucks with my brother and he, we were standing in line waiting for our drinks. And he was like, you know, you just, cause I had just had my first article published in like a magazine that was for sale. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, it had been a lifelong dream to be a published paid writer. And he was like, you just realized like one of your biggest life dreams in a time when like you're supposedly supposed to like sacrifice the most of yourself. And I, and I was like, you know what? That's true. Like I hadn't really thought about it. It was really empowering. Um, so anyway, I did that for like a year and a half. Um, and then I got really used, like I got really good at writing blogs and I got really used to kind of the online business space and decided I wanted to expand my portfolio. And so that's when I struck out on my own, um, and started finding my own clients outside of the magazine. And that's where we are now, I guess. Wow. That is amazing. I didn't know that you were in Australia. It's been so funny how I've had all these connections this last year that all come out of Australia or, um, and stuff like that. And I've interviewed people from Australia on the podcast. And so, um, that is so cool. And the fact that you moved with a baby, like, I just can't imagine. Yeah. It was really funny because on the flight, so many people <laughs> would walk past us and, or like, you know, we'd be up. I mean, she was 10 weeks old when we uh -huh. moved. So it was like a constant back and forth and wrapping her and holding her. And I had so many people ask me like, why did you take that tiny baby on a vacation? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I didn't yeah, we didn't no. take her to Sydney for like fun at 10 weeks. And so it was really funny to try to explain that. But yes, it oh. was crazy time but I mean it kind of led to where I am now so mm -hmm. yeah isn't it amazing sometimes I always think about after we become moms like the random things that we just decide we're gonna do 
like, you know, or like we realize that life is too short and I now have this other human. Um, cause after our first son, I was like, um, we're moving. The market's good. <laughs> we only moved across town. <laughs> I was like, we're moving. And then after my second son, I was like, I am not going back to sitting in a desk. I'm just not going back to work. So I had no clue what I was going to do. I just knew that you know, I was going to work for myself. Um, exactly. So. Yeah. Kind of like, well, I've, re- I've brought a human life into the world. I can do anything. Right. <laughs> okay. Which we can as moms. It is amazing when you think about, you think that be- I, I feel like before you have kids, you think you have strength and then you become a mom and you have a whole different set, like of, you understand strength so much more, I think. Yes. I would. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty empowering. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's hard. It's always mm-hmm. hard. It's never like nearly as glamorous as I think I expected it would be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely like, like you become a much stronger person. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I can so feel the glamorous today as I was like cl- anger cleaning my house because my kids had made a mess. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> How do these other influencers look so good every day on their story? That's <laughs> like, um, maybe I just need to make like the mess mom influencer thing a thing. Cause it's not near as glamorous mess. as you thought. I, you like, you're 100% right. Like, no, I do not um, brush my hair. I brush my hair. I like, I don't put makeup on every day. Okay. No, no. It's a great day if I have like my hair fixed and makeup on and real close. Like all, it's like those will happen separately, but all three together. I mean, that is, yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah. Oh, well, with us having all of our things together, I know that so often email lists is one of those things that a lot of us feel like we don't have together and the email copy that we don't have together. Um, So I'm so excited for you to talk to us today about your welcome sequence and what is that and what does that mean? Um, So why don't you just start off by explaining to people, because I know a lot of people listening to this are new entrepreneurs, like what is a welcome sequence and why, why do we need it? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, just to be totally transparent, I am a copywriter and I didn't even have my own welcome sequence until... I don't know, six or seven months into my business. So if you don't have one and you think that that's like very shameful, like don't worry. Plenty of people don't have welcome sequences, which is kind of why I wanted to talk about it because it takes some work up front. But once you've done that work, it really should be a very seamless, automatic kind of set it and forget it thing, um, which I feel like we need as much of that as possible when we're moms building businesses. Um, so a uh, welcome sequence is essentially, you also might hear it called a nurture sequence. It's the same thing. Um, someone who is outside of your email list subscribes to your email list generally through a freebie, a lead magnet, an opt-in, whatever you call that. They want to download something you're offering. And so there's usually an, e- so they'll subscribe, they'll go to download it and you send them an email. Um, and then if you don't have a welcome sequence, that's where it ends. So they may get added to your, or they will be added to your email list. So maybe they start getting, um, like if you send a weekly newsletter or something like that, they may get that, but with a welcome sequence after they get 
the delivery of whatever their freebie opt-in thing is. Um, it's just an intentional series of emails that are automatic. They're sent like through a workflow um, based on the number of days and they welcome someone in to your community. So it's a really intentional thing designed to really help someone get to know you honestly to like you and to trust you enough to stay interested in either your offers that you're going to pitch or um, like the future emails coming from you. Mm. Yeah. Um, so great. Okay. So now like my head's like, Oh, I have so many questions. <laughs> so we create this welcome sequence on whatever email platform we're using. Is there specific copy that is the best to put into your welcome sequence? Yes. So I think the first thing to remember is basically like to be really intentional and to take it slow. So I mean that literally and figuratively. <laughs> so, so sometimes we hear the idea like, oh, we need a welcome sequence. I'm just going to cobble together. Like I have four emails that kind of cover different stuff. I'm going to put them into a workflow and call that my welcome sequence that's not really going to be that effective. Mm -hmm. So what you really want to do is think through the process. So, um, and we'll like go over this in a minute, but like there's, there are specific emails that you should send in a specific order. Um, and you can like play around with it, mm -hmm. but if you're going to do one thing well with a welcome sequence, it's to make it highly personal. So this is the chance to really share your story, to share your brand, to share like the purpose and the values behind your brand um, and to be really intentional with that because it is the first impression. Like the welcome sequence is the first impression for most people who are joining your email list. Um, and I always tell people to treat it like an introduction in real life. So like you wouldn't meet someone in real life like, hey, meet you can you go pick up my kids at school like can you make me dinner right we don't do that we don't meet someone and then immediately ask them for something but that's what it feels like when someone gets a freebie from you and then the next they hear from you you're pitching an offer they're like wait what I just met this person like yeah this doesn't make sense so take it slow like take it slow creating it but also take it slow with the sequence and really give people time to get to know you, to get to understand you and like you before ever going in with some kind of pitch or mm -hmm. offer. Yeah, 100%. And as a salesperson, I can speak into that so much. And I'm sure if it's a, people who are avid listeners, they have heard me say many of times, do not slide into someone's DMs and sell them something. I still am, am coming up, maybe as a copy person, you can help me come up with something that's real witty to be like, stop doing that. Did you not see what I do? Like, don't pitch right away. Yes. I mean, I'll think of a witty way to say that, but that's basically it. Don't <laughs> yeah. do it. No hey, girl. no hey girl messages. Like none yes. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, okay. So is there a specific, you talked about strategy. Is there a specific strategy that we should be thinking about when writing a welcome sequence? Yeah. So I use like a very specific sequence myself, um, but there's no rule about it. So different people do different things. The strategy, the overall strategy really should be to provide a ton of value. So the first thing you have to do is make sure, and that's not really copy related, but like make sure the freebie or the opt-in you're offering is packed with value. Because if you're like getting someone to sign up and then you're delivering 
something super lame that's not really helping them, mm-hmm. it's not really going to matter what the rest of your emails say because they're probably not going to open it. They're probably going to be like, oh, well, that wasn't helpful. Mm-hmm. So start there. Um, but like the overall strategy really is to introduce yourself, identify the problem that you know your ideal client is facing. So you kind of get in the trenches with them and you let them I know this is a thing you struggle with. I get it. Like I can name it and I have been there or I understand whatever that is. Um, And then you want to show them how you can solve that problem. And those are all like in different emails. So it's not all packed into one. Like every email has its own purpose. Um, And so you really want to like identify that problem and then solve it. And then you want to invite them into your community. Um, And people end welcome sequences in different ways. And it totally just depends on your personality and your brand, like your brand vibe, I would say. Um, so you can either end with like a really generous welcome into your community. Sometimes that involves more free stuff or resources, or some people like to end with a pitch um, where it's like, okay, now you understand. Um, I understand your problem. You know, I can solve it. And here's the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so however you end it, I, I mean, that's totally up to, your goals really and like how you know you run your business but that's the overall strategy I would Mm -hmm. say so do you have separate welcome sequences for each individual opt-in opt-in so like say they opted in for one type of freebie is it completely different opting in for another freebie That's a really good question. So I would say the only time I would, the only thing I would change is that final email if you're pitching a different service. And then, well, I guess you would have to change like, yeah, you would have to kind of customize them. Mm -hmm. So I guess it goes back to how many offers you have. Like for my clients, the problem they all encounter is generally the same. So like even for different freebies, the problem is like having copy that connects with your clients and sells, right? Mm -hmm. So like no matter what my offer is, that's the problem. So I wouldn't have a different email sequence or a different welcome sequence. But if you wanted to, you could. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's not something I've ever done. Um, But I don't think there'd be anything wrong with that. I mean, that would be really targeted. But I would only go to that extent like if yeah, like if you have two really distinct um, audiences you serve, then you probably would need that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how can business owners make their welcome sequence stand out? I know that we get so many emails every day and I will admit I'm not one that always reads every email that comes. So sometimes I might be getting emails that are in the middle of a welcome sequence when I do stuff. So what can make our emails stand out to our audience? Um, I love that you say that you sometimes come in in the middle. So I think that's a really important thing to remember is that each individual email needs to stand on its own. You cannot assume that someone has followed all the way through. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's actually a really good thing to remember. But I think the most important thing you can do is infuse every single part of your email with your personality. Like it should be oozing you. Um, And that means your subject line, your preview text, um, the content that's actually in it, the GIFs, GIFs, I never say that, whatever, however you say that. (laughs) GIFs you use should be like tailored to your brand and your personality. You should like make pop culture references that are very like, you know, part of your brand identity. 
Um, and the way you sign off, like all of those things, even the branding of the email. I know like if you use Flowdesk or one of those um, providers, you can do a lot graphic, like it can be very aesthetically pleasing. Um, so branding everything and just taking every single, like a lot of people don't edit their preview text. So that's just like the little snippet. Mm -hmm. Some people call it a snippet. Some people call it preview text. And a lot of people don't put anything there or they'll just summarize what's in their email. Mm -hmm. um, that's like a missed opportunity. So if you can have a really catchy, really sh like scroll stopping subject line, um, follow it up with an intriguing preview text. Most people are going to open that. Mm -hmm. Do you have um, some examples or are there specific things that should be in your title? Um, in your subject line? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So um, anything that builds a curiosity gap is going to be good. So a lot of times I'll see people will send emails that will be like, welcome to my email list or like something really like summary. No one's going to be interested in that. So mm -hmm. I really love things that ask questions. Um, some of my highest open rates have been when I've asked questions like, will you love this too? Or actually my highest open rate was on a subject line that just said, is butter a carb? Um, <laughs> which is a quote from Mean Girls. Um, and it connect, I mean, it kind of connected to like what was in the thing, but yeah really like using funny things or asking questions. So like eight out of nine out of 10 entrepreneurs make this mistake. Are you, mm. I'm going to open that because I'm going to be like, well, I don't know. <laughs> now I'm scared. Am I? Yeah. Um, or like anything that's like just piques interest. So instead of summarizing um, three ways to write a welcome sequence, instead it can be like, get, get more people, I don't know, like open to get more email subscribers. Mm -hmm. That's just off the top of my head. But um, something that's really going to build that curiosity. And then, you know, FOMO always makes people open emails. So. <laughs> always, yeah. That is 100% true. Because I do think about some of the last few I've opened. It has been like, are you not doing this? Or you're missing this in your business? And I was like, oh, crap, she's real smart. I should see what she's saying <laughs> about <Yep>. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> So you also talked about how some of your emails can be aesthetically pleasing. And sometimes we just see emails with just text. Is there a pro and con to doing either or of those emails? Should you have a blend of those in your welcome sequence? Um, I think it depends on your brand. So if you're a, for example, I have a client who's a social media manager and her whole brand is about like branding things and look and feel like this certain way so for her it's really important that her emails that go out are aesthetically pleasing because that's a big part of her brand so like all of her emails are very branded and are very designed um but for someone like me quite honestly I almost always just send text um and I'll usually put like some kind of meme or some kind of image in it to break it up but I think it depends on your brand to be honest um, drawbacks. I mean, the more code you put into an email, the bigger the file is. So it can be slower to load. It can take up more space. Sometimes those are harder to deliver just depending on the email service provider you use. So that's something to think about. Um, and then two, I mean, a lot of people aren't going to scroll. Like 
if you go way over the top and there's just a lot to work through to get to the meat of the email, a lot of people aren't going to put in the effort. So I would just say always keep your, your brand goal and like your brand vibe in mind and then think about your, the person who's going to be reading it and see like, do I think they'll actually do this or not? Mm, yeah. So then as we're thinking about our different audiences and what they want to see, um, is there a structure to each email, even though the email sequence, each email is different? Is there something that is like a winning structure? Like you start with this in your email and then you have this and end with this. Is there something in an email copy that you have seen? I will say there's a rough structure. So I I think, um, I'm really hesitant to use kind of like templates or rules when it comes to writing, just because some people that works great for them. That's not really my, I don't know. I like to, I like to break the rules to be perfectly honest. So I don't follow a specific formula, but it's kind of like an Instagram caption in longer form. If that's a helpful way to think about it, Mm -hmm. you want to have some kind of hook at the beginning that gets people interested. Um, Your subject line is the real hook. Like your subject line is what actually gets people to open the message. But then once they're there, it's important that they see some kind of value or interest in the first line. Um, Sometimes I'll be super direct and I'll be like, here's what we're talking about today email to my email list today that was literally like here's what we're talking about today let's get right to it mm-hmm. and then it was just there sometimes I start with a story um I think something that's going to get some interest going or specifically say exactly what you're talking about so either or then you give the information um and then you sign off and I think it's really helpful to summarize at the bottom like with a call to action so you should have a call to action in every email that you send, just like you have on a Instagram caption or a blog post or something like that. Um, I'm also a big fan of adding the PS. So I add a PS to most of my emails and I'm, I'm like a little snarky. So I call people out. I'm like, oh, didn't have time to bother reading above. Like, here's what you missed. And I'll summarize in one sentence, like, mm-hmm. here's what you missed. Um, that kind of thing. But I think the PS is really helpful because a lot of people do scroll. And if I have a link, like if my call to action is a link to click, I will also put that link in the PS. So they have an opportunity to get it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that that you say that because I'm, I don't know if it's all Enneagram threes, like don't read emails. I think it kind of is. I just like, I'm always like, I don't understand these long emails. Why would people read all this? Because I want the boom, boom, boom. Here's what you need to know. Like move on. So I am a person when I open an email and it is really long, I like flip scroll real fast. And I'm like, what do they give me something at the bottom? That's like for you speed readers. Here's what you miss. And here's the link. So that 100% works because there has been times where I was like, oh, good. Thank you for giving me because especially as moms, I think that that's a great tactic if your um, audience is moms, because how often have we all been sitting there trying to read an email and then someone wants a snack or needs you to wipe them as they went on the potty or something, (laughs) you know, like that that sometimes I then like try to quickly like, okay, is there any bolded points? Oh, okay. There's a bottom. Okay, sweet. Like I'm, I'm good. Um, Yeah. And I think, 
I mean, that's so real. And like, I think so many people do that. And the other thing too, to that point is I like to use speed, what I, well, a lot of people call them this. I did not invent it, but it's called speed bumps. And so you essentially break down your, and I write these before I write an email. So I'll write like three to four sentences or like brief statements. Um, that encap like that are the points. So if someone just read these three things, they would get the main gist of this email. And then I bold them mm-hmm. and I put them throughout and then I like write in between. But so it's essentially like a speed bump. So someone's eyes stop on those three bolded things. So yeah, like if your kid's like, oh mom, I'm off the potty, and you're like, oh great, I like wanted to see, you know, I wanted to read this and this is all the attention I have to give to it, you will read those three bolded points and you'll get the gist of the email. Mm-hmm. So the point is really to like communicate. And I think people forget that. Like you can't communicate with someone if they are not taking in and understanding what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so however you can facilitate that and make it easier, like the more effective your emails will be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And as you were talking about that, it kind of made me think about um, when I was in the middle of a, a partnership launch we were talking about something and I was like, I don't understand these other emails. Well, because I was not that type of buyer. So that's also another thing to think about when writing your emails that I'm like the one who needs the bullet points. I want to know the stuff, but I'm not going to read the deep story as to why you, I don't know, whatever you did, but there is somebody in a buyer who like needs that deep story. And for you to like deeply tell them something because they will read it all. So that's one thing I know I have to get better at because I'm like, well, who wants to read this long email? Like, I'll just send you a video. <laughs> but there are, there are people who are probably on my email list um, who would like a long story and they will sit and read that. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. And I think too, when you are creating your welcome sequence to think about those kinds of things and give everyone an opportunity at some point in that sequence to opt in. So like, I'm a huge fan of storytelling. I mean, my stories are usually pretty quick because I don't have time for like a long blown thing, but I do really love using storytelling. Like there's, so if I sent you that email, you'd probably be like, yeah, I don't have time for this, but cool. But then there's other people who are like really interested. So you don't want to every email you send be, especially in your welcome sequence, they can't all be these like long, beautiful stories and really integrated and really, you know, expressive. Um, But you can like, use one, have a story in one. But even when I tell stories, I still do speed bumps and I still try to like have a PS and try to accomplish, like accommodate both types of readers. Um, but yeah, I think switching it up to like having one, like if you send an email, especially in a welcome sequence, like if that first email you send is really like, is a little bit longer and kind of goes into detail and has a bunch of resources, then the next one you send should be like super direct, super straight to the point and provide that value really quickly. So you're not telling someone, oh, if you want to consume my content, it's going to require concentration, focus, and like 15 minutes to read this Mm -hmm. thing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I love that. Okay, so is there any last advice that you have for a new entrepreneur that's going to be creating their email sequence, any other last tips or tricks that you're like, Oh, you really need to know this. Um, I have two. So one I've kind of already said, but like be yourself. So don't 
put the time into creating this sequence and like try to emulate someone else's like it's really easy if you read someone else's like you get a really good you get put in a really good welcome sequence and you're like Mm -hmm. oh this is so good and then you try to sound like that person it's never gonna work um so really like be yourself and show up the way you want people to really see you Mm -hmm. um this may be the only time that you get in this person's inbox and the only time they have their eyes on your business. So you want to make the most of that. So really just like be authentic and use your personality. And then my second tip is far less um, like cool, but it's about automations. So email welcome sequence should be like kind of a set it and forget it thing. I usually tell my clients like go check on it every quarter. So like once every three months, like go in, read over the emails, make sure they're still relevant, especially when something major happens. Like when COVID happened, like Mm -hmm. it's really easy that you could have said something that like would no longer apply um, in a welcome sequence. So like just read over them, but also check your tech because (laughs) (laughs) I have been talking about welcome sequences for like, I don't know, two months now. And I just this morning discovered that I had made an error in my Flowdesk workflow. And so my welcome sequence has not been sending for, as far as I can tell, at least six weeks. So that's (laughs) it. I mean, you know, like I'm just going to restart it for all you people so that you can see it. (laughs) I'm like, I know for a fact people have been joining my email list, like, because I've been talking about my welcome sequence and they have not. So they probably think I'm just like a huge hypocrite. But anyway, that's a very real point. Um, Do check on it and like, make sure your automations are going, make sure your workflows are working um, and things are still relevant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know what? It's the entrepreneur life. That's just what happens when we're doing everything all on our own for the most part with maybe a little help here and there, like mistakes happen. And I love that. It's like, that's just the real thing. And it happens to the best of us, even when that's like your main wheelhouse. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So it does. And you know, at first it was like a crushing blow that I was feeling a lot of just like shame over. And then I was like, you know what? This is a simple mistake. I fixed it. Yeah, I'm just one mom trying to run a business and I don't have time to check on my email every day. So it took me six weeks, but at least I checked. Now I know. And now it will be all fixed. So now when people go to check your welcome sequence, (laughs) when this episode airs, I'll make sure to be like, hey, you want to check that before it airs? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Let me know. I'll double check and make sure everything's set to run. We'll be good. (laughs) All right. So my last question, I always ask people to wrap up the show because so many of us built our businesses in little years. Some of us are still in the little years. Some of us are finally just coming up from for air. What is your best advice for a mom? So I think my best, I mean, I have so many things I think, but the thing that I hold the closest is like, don't add guilt to your plate for not enjoying every single moment. I think that's such a thing we say, especially to new moms, is like, mm-hmm. enjoy every moment. They're only little 
long, like I read something the other day that was like, you only have 18 summers. Like, how are you spending yours with your kids? <laughs> it's like, there's enough. You have enough pressure and enough guilt. And like, it's okay to be annoyed by diapers. It's okay to be like excited to be done nursing. It's okay to feel really annoyed and really frustrated with a tiny baby who won't sleep. Like that's normal and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah. Like, yes, they grow up quickly, but sometimes that's a really good thing. And it's okay if you're not enjoying every single moment of these, like, little years because there is a lot that is hard. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it just gets, especially, like, from moms who have, you know, older kids, like, they romanticize the the little years. Um, but when you're in the midst of them, like, they're just hard, and that's just a fact. So don't add guilt to your plate trying to like feeling bad about not enjoying it enough yeah I don't know and I think um as someone that is like just kind of egg exiting like the tiny years it is interesting because when a mom like how you said they told you oh well you'll you'll miss this and I want to go back but it's it's this weird like the grass isn't greener on the other side do you want them to grow up and be bigger but then you're like could you just please stop like it's happening too fast or um when I was talking to someone, you know, they'd said like, oh, you'll never realize that the last time your mom picked you up or set you down, you don't know. And the other day I was like, I don't know the last time I rocked my youngest one to sleep. Is that over? Is it just been a phase? Cause they like wanted to be sleeping in each other's rooms, you know? Um, right. So it is, it's one of those, but like to know that the grass isn't greener on the other side um, of whatever it is that you're coming out of. And there'll always be something that'll say like, I can't wait till this part is done. Exactly. Like, I cannot wait till potty training's done. No one tells you the second one is harder. But uh, is that true? Because I'm not. No one tells you how hard, but like potty training is not all of it. That's the part that I'm really annoyed with. It's like, oh, potty training, and it's like, yeah, but they learned how to pee in the potty, but the rest of it's still a disaster. Yeah, Ugh, yeah, ready for that to be over too. Yeah, and I hate to say that I think I like posted about it the other day and I've had some messages that were like, nobody tells you the second one is worse. And I'm like, great, okay, at least I'm not alone. At least I'm not a failure. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, yeah. Well, if people want to connect with you after this episode, where can they find you at? Yeah, so I mostly live on Instagram um, at Emily Wrightswell is my handle over there. I try to always have some fun stuff going on. And then my website is emilywrightswell.com. Um, yeah, those are the two main places. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I hope that this episode helps some moms create a welcome sequence that we all know we need. Awesome. Thanks so much, Michelle. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Busy Years Podcast. This episode show notes and all past episode show notes can be found at michellehagan.com slash podcast. I would love to put a face to the listener. Come over and join me on Instagram at michelleannhagan. Or you can join me in our private Facebook community just for the Busy Years podcast listeners called Hey Mama, Let's Connect. 
This is a community where you can dig in a little bit deeper to your dreams. Share your dreams out loud with like-minded people. Let people cheer you on in what you are currently doing to chase your dreams. And learn a little bit more about our episodes. And I'll even pop in there every once in a while to teach live. I can't wait to see you and meet you, my friends. Hey, Mama. Did you need someone to remind you that you are worthy of your dreams? That you can take action in the middle of motherhood? I just wanted to pop in and give you another reminder, friend, that you got this. You can do this in the middle of motherhood, no matter how busy the years get.